You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan Savage and I'm here with the tech savvy at risk youth busting out another crucial and much needed installment of the Savage Lovecast, the once a week outlawed version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. Now, before we get to your questions, uh, I wanted to draw podcast listeners to something that I wrote about recently in the column, but haven't podcasted about uh, that I think is really fascinating because right now, uh, you know, we've got the Obama administration and Barack said at his inaugural Asian during his inaugural Asian address, that he was going to restore science to its proper place while Bush shot faith-based daggers at the back of his head. Now, what's interesting about this whole restoring science thing is if there's one thing we've learned uh, over the last 10 years, uh, spending more than $1.2 billion on absence education, is that it shit doesn't work. Uh, Science ain't there. All the studies show that at best – Absence education delays the onset of sexual activity by a few months, maybe six. But then when kids become sexually active, invariably before marriage, a la Bristol Palin, they're less likely to use protection and more likely to get knocked up. There's a couple of other interesting studies that have come out. One uh, written up about at abcnews.com showed that kids who had absence-only education, uh, many straight teenagers – were engaging in anal intercourse, thereby to preserve their virginities, which is fucking, literally fucking crazy. It It is, that is fucking crazy. You are actually fucking and you're crazy. You're fucking crazy, right? Because if you can have anal intercourse and be a virgin, that means my boyfriend is the most virginal, pure, he should be able to wear saran wrap to the wedding. He's so pure you can see through his dress, Right? Hey, we're not having that sodomy that caused God to rain fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah. We're just preserving the fuck out of his virginity as often as we possibly can. So that when he meets the right lady, which is never going to happen, he can marry her in a virginal state. Another study out of British Columbia, University of British Columbia, found that gay kids were getting pregnant. We're likelier to get pregnant in adolescence than straight kids because the gay kids who are being terrorized by, you know, the anti-gay rhetoric that emanates from the same people who support absence education, they're having heterosexual intercourse to prove that they're not gay. They're so insecure about being perceived as gay. What better way to not be perceived as gay than to have knocked some girl up? So here's where we've gotten with our $1.2 million or $1.2 billion investment in absence education. This effort to keep our daughters pure and virginal has basically led to a huge nationwide double penetration scene. Your pure and virginal daughter is being fucked in the ass by a straight boy and fucked in the twat by a gay boy, getting it both sides. Now, there's some debate now that Barack Obama is president about defunding abstinence education. Oh, it's anti-family to defund absence education. Oh, the right-wing groups are already shrieking about the fact that they might be cut off from the federal trough. They might have to pull their piggy little Jesus faces out of the federal trough and the federal government might stop writing checks to religious organizations to burst into public schools and religiously indoctrinate children's heads and pack them full of sex negative bullshit for the straight kids and self-hating sex negative bullshit for the gay kids. 
And it just blows your mind because look at where your absence education dollars are getting you. Your daughter's ass is fucked and your daughter is carrying the child of a faggot. You would think even if you were anti-science, you would want to defund absence education for that reason, those reasons alone. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus a free gift with most purchases, please visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Uh, hi, Dan. My name is Jack. I'm 23, straight and single. I've kind of had this issue. It's, it's pretty weird, but I guess I have a problem with kind of having a larger-than-normal penis. And I'm, I'm just really modest. And I usually, I don't know, I don't, I don't like for other people to feel like they're inferior. So it's not something I'm always blabbing about or anything. I mean, really, I didn't really think I had a big dick until the first time I had sex, which the girl says hurt a bit. And I was reluctant to ask why, but when I finally got the balls to ask her, uh, she basically like asked her if it was a bad hurt or a good hurt, and she said it was good, but still it hurt and we had to stop I don't know that made that traumatize me or something but uh yeah I don't know it's, it's a problem sometimes like I can't always pound away as much as I like depending on who I'm having sex with because some of them I guess can't take it as well and that kind of frustrates me but then at the same time I don't know I just, I just feel overall overall just uncomfortable about it I mean, sometimes when friends see the type of condoms that I have, the Magnum type, they, you know, start going off about, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Nobody has a big, uh, you know, a dick that big. Nobody needs that kind of condom. And it just, I don't challenge them on it because I don't want to, like, make them feel like they're inferior. Uh, I don't know. I guess this just goes to show you that the only thing duller than a guy whining about how small his dick is is a guy whining about how big his dick is. All right, you got a big cock. Uh, your friends are teasing you because you have Magnum condoms. Don't leave your condoms lying around if you're that sensitive about it. Uh, if you're going to be teased about something, being well hung, I think, is like being teased about having great hair. Like, let it roll off your fucking back, all right? Here's what you do. Uh, there's a little line that I read once in the Kama Sutra. I'm going to paraphrase it uh, ineptly. I don't have it in front of me. It was good advice, you know, Centuries ago in India, it's good advice still today, um, the field mouse with the field mouse and the mare with the stallion, right? That there are not just big dicks and uh, orifices all come in the same size, but there are people with big dicks and there are ladies out there with big twats. And you should go find one, uh, somebody that you fit in comfortably. The only way to make that determination is to keep jamming it in the ladies until you are jamming it in a few that uh, – you can pound away at the way you would like to pound away at absolutely everybody but can't because of your curse, because of the burden you bear, because of the cross you have to carry through life. Um, maybe you'll leave a little trail in the sand just like Jesus did, dragging the cross up to Calvary. Uh, and, and then select from one of those who your life partner will be, who will get to uh, be impaled on the end of your ginormous uh, crucifix for the rest of her life. Good luck with that. Hi, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old woman in Metro Detroit, and I've got a bit of a blowjob problem I'd like to ask you about. Um, my boyfriend has a pretty sizable dick, which I'm very happy with. I love it. I've 
the only problem is I've never been able to get him get the hang of giving him a good long blowjob without my jaw getting so tired and sore and holding it so far open to keep my teeth off his cock. Um, it's not for lack of practice. I've been sucking him off for over five years, and he likes it just fine, but we always seem to get to this awkward point where he's getting close to coming, and I have to take him out of my mouth because my jaw is hurting that feels like it's going to fall off. All right, so you're going to run a race, uh, or you want to go running with somebody, and they want to run 25 kilometers, and you can only run 20 kilometers max. So what do you do? Do you start off running together at the same you know, starting line, and then you crap out five kilometers early? Well, you could, but if you want to cross the finish line with that person, what you do is they start five kilometers before you start, and then you both cross the 25-kilometer line together, although you only ran 20 kilometers. Does this make any sense? Is this tortured metaphor working? Here's what you do with the ginormous cock uh, that you've been sucking for five years. I'm surprised you haven't worked this out on your own, and congratulations, and, and good for you. Um, you get him cranked up a bit before the blowjob begins so that the finish line comes sooner for you. You get him started with some spit and your hands. Basically, instead of giving him a blowjob, you give him a hand job with a blowjob finish, right? You get him 25% of the way with the hand first so that you can go the rest of the way uh, to completion. So it's not all blowjob, right? And you crank him up. And when you know you're with somebody who's got a big dick, uh, you are free to bail from time to time because uh, that's just part of uh, what you have to deal with when you have a ginormous penis uh, is the fact that a lot of people aren't going to be able to blow you all the way to completion comfortably. But, you know, on the other hand, uh, some things are worth suffering for. Hey, Dan. Um, I've got a kind of complicated question. Um, my husband and I have been married for a long time. We've been together for eight years. And though we've always considered ourselves an open relationship, it wasn't until just recently that we've had an opportunity to act on that. And um, my husband started a relationship with a woman, and we've been through the highs and lows of um, working out this kind of complex situation. And um, I was feeling pretty good about it recently. But we have the same problem keep arising, and that is, I have pretty much one rule, and that's at the end of the night, I want him to come home. And every few weeks, he'll be up late drinking at her house, which happens to be next door to ours, and fooling around or whatever, and he passes out and totally forgets to come home. And I get all upset and go through this whole range of emotions for the next couple of days. And I mean, I constantly wonder if I'm um, like, you know, putting constraints on this that are unreasonable or if he's just being a fucking loser for ruining this most awesome relationship of his life. But um, I don't know. I'm curious what you think. It's really hard to talk to friends about this because most people just don't get open relationships. And I still really like the idea of an open relationship. It's just, can we pull it off? I think it's a good example of the sex negativity in our culture generally that we're all steeped in, that you identify the open relationship here as the problem 
or your boyfriend's inability or husband or whatever's inability to honor the rules, the ground rules that you've set forth, and not his fucking drinking as the problem. He's getting drunk and passing out next door. So drunk he doesn't remember to come home when he can look out a window and see home. It's not like he's at this other woman's house and having a few drinks and is therefore not capable of getting home because it would be unsafe for him to drive. He's just drinking himself blind drunk. I think the booze is the problem. You know, no open relationship works if both parties uh, in the primary relationship don't respect the ground rules. And oftentimes people will establish ground rules at the outset that then as they become more comfortable, they want to revisit or they realize that perhaps certain ground rules were unworkable in practice even though they sounded good in theory. But, you know, there's a gradual sort of step by step by step to establishing the kind of trust that makes an open relationship possible. And at the outset, you have to – and even if you've been together all these years and it was technically open, but this is the first time he's having sex with somebody else, really you are at the beginning of your open relationship, not uh, eight years into an open relationship. Uh, it's the other person honoring the ground rules that will build the trust of uh, the person, both people honoring the ground rules that build the mutual trust so that then you know you can let a little more slack into the leash usually is what happens. Uh, but at the outset, again – well, ground rules have to be respected to the letter of the law um, and he's not respecting them because he has a drinking problem, not because he has a sex problem or an open relationship problem because he has a drinking problem. Uh, I would encourage you to encourage him to drink less if he drinks so much that he can't find his way home from next door when he goes over there to see her and honor the terms of the ground rules of your open relationship. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle, including a great selection of toys, lingerie, and movies. 10 million customers love the quality, the fast, and discreet shipping, and the 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit AdamandEve.com today and receive 50% off most any item of your choice, plus a free gift with a purchase of $17 or more. That's AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hey, Dan. Last year, I was 23, and I was a high school coach, and there was a girl on the team who was 17, and I liked her, and I was attracted to her, but it was, you know, I was a coach, she was an athlete, so it was completely off limits, and I could repress it, and I did successfully, and uh, it was the wrong place. Now, I'm... uh, I'm over 25 and she's, uh, you know, getting on 19 and I don't coach her anymore. Uh, and I was, you know, and I'm wondering if, uh, you know, this could be a thing. Uh, it sucks though. Cause everything is, is, is working out to make it like a terribly like, uh, one-sided power dynamic. Uh, and, you know, like me being quite a bit older and, you know, also her coach at one time. In your opinion, will will this ever be uh, not off limits? So she's getting on 19, which means she's 18, right? Unless tomorrow's her birthday. Let's just call her 18 and let's call you uh, 24 or 25 or getting on 26 or entering your late 20s soon, which means crowding 30. All right. 40 comes hard on the heels of 30. Uh, you can totally fuck this girl. She's of legal age. She's she's a consenting adult. You have no uh, 
professional relationship with her now. You're not her coach now. Um, and you certainly waited a decent amount of time. It's not like you fucked her the day after you stopped being her coach. Um, it's been more than a year. Uh, you, you're not her coach. You're both adults. That's just how you came uh, to meet one another. And there may be some lingering power dynamic. I can't imagine that she would feel in any way submissive to you or or, or in a, a submissive position because you used to be her volleyball coach. That's not like being, you know, her advisor at school. It's not like you were ever her boss or might be her boss ever again. You're just a freaking volleyball coach. Call her. Fuck her. Do it. Shut up. Hi, Davis. Um, I'm just calling to say um, I am a 19-year-old lesbian, and I want to have sex with a man. And I don't have a problem with it. I still identify as lesbian, so I definitely don't want a relationship with a man. But I feel like, like I've been telling some of my other queer friends, and I feel like that it almost makes me lose my credibility as a lesbian by wanting to sleep with a man. And I was wondering if the same thing happens to gay men if they want to sleep with a woman, or if that even happens at all. I don't know what it is about a dude's semen running out of a lesbian's twat that would undermine her credibility as a lesbian at all. In fact, I think that enhances your credibility as a lesbian, particularly if some dude's semen is also running, trickling out of the corners of your mouth while we have this conversation. Um, you know, I, I think it's fine that you're lesbian identified. As I have said on the show, uh, female sexuality is a bit more fluid. It always seems to be sloshing around like... Five gallons of apple cider in a 30-gallon jar. But I get in trouble when I say that. I'd like to read a little letter I got recently. With recent events in California regarding the 28-year-old lesbian being brutally beaten and gang-raped, perhaps people in media may want to be more responsible regarding their women-hating tendencies. This is a letter from a lesbian. I have just listened to Dan Savage's podcast where he was talking to a caller in scare quotes, because maybe I make all you people up, who was supposedly lesbian but, quote, craves cock, close quote. Dan went on to say how many lesbians crave cock. Can someone please educate this idiot that this, quote, unquote, caller is bisexual? Now, bisexual is not in scare quotes, so this woman actually thinks bisexuals exist, as I do, as I do. Can someone please educate this idiot that this caller is bisexual? With leanings toward women, I find it very disappointing that your newspaper would have this person writing for you, yet have no one of the lesbian persuasion doing the same thing. Because it's so much fun to have people like this in editorial meetings, let me tell you. Many male-run magazines insist on leaving a real lesbian voice out so they can live in a fantasy world. Dan Savage's make-believe world is one where everyone loves men. Men, men, men are so spectacular and everyone craves cock, even lesbians. That is a deranged farce. Only gay men are disgusted by women and never come on to women. That is wrong, too. Everyone knows this is false. Gay men where I live are constantly coming on to straight women, lesbians, bisexual women, and are always sleeping with their slutty fag eggs. Please inform this uneducated columnist that lesbians don't crave cock, as he stated about 15 times in his latest podcast. This is very hurtful to the lesbian non-cock craving community. She signs herself femme in the city. Now, I reading the letter, I thought it might have been from a butch dyke. But no, it's femme in the city. You can just hear her. You can just picture her delicately applying her lipstick after she 
tapped that out on our computer. Now, you know, getting back to the beginning of the letter, very serious matter. A, a woman was uh, with a rainbow sticker in her car was dragged from her car and beaten by uh, three or four men in California and brutally raped uh, because she was a lesbian. And these men have now been arrested, being prosecuted. Uh, for the rape and for a hate crime and, uh, you know, I generally don't support the death penalty but I'll make an exception in this case. But really tying me to that crime or trying to blame me for that crime just seems a little overblown and I, and I hate even to joke about it, you know, to, to do this jokey response, you know, riffing off or pivoting off this horrible crime, to be, to be accused of this crime because I've acknowledged the fact that some lesbian identified women crave cock – is crazy. I'm not down with violence against lesbians, but it does seem to be the case that there are a lot of lesbian identified women out there who want a little uh, boy action every once in a very, very great while. I don't think that makes you not a lesbian necessarily. Uh, this woman feels, however, that you should identify as bisexual, that if you have a man's semen running down your leg uh, or dribbling out of the corners of your mouth, that that does undermine your credibility as a lesbian and she would like you to identify as bisexual because that will stop uh, – bigots, uh, and psychopaths from raping people, I suppose. If the question was just what's up with your cred, um, your cred is toast with femme in the city. Uh, your cred is fine with me. You can identify as a nightstand table if that makes you happy and I'll be down with it. Uh, you might not want to let this out, but I think that based on the frequency with which I get calls like yours and letters from women who are confiding in me this deep, dark secret that though they are lesbian identified, they occasionally want to get it on with a dude, um, that you can be out about this a little bit. That you know the likelihood if you shared this in a room full of your lesbian friends that one or two other hands might go up, if not every hand, is very high. So be who you are. You have a right to identify as a lesbian even if you're going to take a boy for a trot around the twat every once in a great while. Hi, Dan. Um I am a relatively young newlywed, and uh, my husband is an only child whose parents are somewhat elderly, and we're going to be moving them in with us, and this is at my insistence because I adore them, and uh, I don't want to have to worry about them being somewhere else and having something go wrong. Anyway, uh, my husband and I also have a fantastic sex life, uh, probably partially because we're newlyweds, but also because we're both GGG. And as a result, we have a variety of toys and items to enhance our sex life. And he says that once the in-laws move in, I have to get rid of the toys because he would be absolutely horrified if his mother found them. And she would, even if we told her that uh, bedroom's off limits, you can't come in, that she would end up in under the guise of cleaning, uh, go through everything because she's a bit of a snoop. Um, in, in my mind, if she's going to snoop and find something like that, then that's what she gets. And I, I, I think that she might be somewhat horrified, but I think she'd get over it. I don't think that it's something where we should damage our sex life because he's scared of his mom finding out. Hi, Dan Savage. How are you? you God, you, you tittered so seductively there. <laughs> Makes me feel like we're doing something dirty just talking on the phone. <laughs> I bet you were a woman with a lot of sex toys in the house. Actually, yes. <laughs> and you'd like to keep them in the house? Very much so. Because uh, I'm a nosy piece of shit, my first question, or the first thing that popped to mind was, what the fuck kind of sex toys are we talking about here? Oh, just your basic, you know, vibrators, G-spot finders, various 
configurations, depending on mood. Do you spot finder at the beach to find, like, coins buried in the sand, too? Is it, like, one of those things? You know, it probably wouldn't be so effective for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you should get your G-Spot pierced. Then it'll be very effective. Uh, <laughs> use a metal detector to find your G-Spot. Now, uh, what, it, none of these things sound very large. No, but there's several. And the, the, the biggest thing is that they would just be in the nightstand and, or in some other container. Perhaps and a footlocker with a padlock on it that you can slide <laughs> under the bed. This is this is something that has been of discussion. Or a file then, cabinet that has a locking drawer. Yeah, but, you know, I do like to have ease of access because you never know when you're going to want it. Mm-hmm. Well, you might have to make a concession here. Like, your husband's position is get these fucking things out of the house because I don't want my mom to find them, um, which is a bit crazy. I think there's a point at which in life where a parent has to stop snooping or they will learn things they do not want to know about their children. Um, and your position is, I want these things easily accessible and, and, and in the house. And the, the obvious compromise is a little less accessible for you, but not out of the house for him. Absolutely. So, so, so you, don't, you, don't think, you don't think that it would be a, a good idea to basically say, hey, if she finds it after she's been warned, then that's her problem? Do you know what I think will actually happen? What? You know, you'll say, Ma, you know, I hope you respect our privacy. And she'll say, oh, of course I will, of course I will. Um, she's going to try to snoop. Put things in a locking cabinet for the time being. And then once you guys all calm down, I bet the it'll, things will be left in the nightstand after your husband chills out a little bit. But le- at least at first, okay, lock it up. But then once everybody calms down, I bet you you'll end up triumphing. That's true. Uh, and you'll be you you will win this. And every relationship is a contest at all times and, <laughs> and everybody keeps score and you will you will come out on top. But, you know, at least at the outset. Get a little footlocker with a padlock on it, slide it under the bed. It's really not that hard. Okay, that makes sense. And then he'll chill out and, you know, hopefully one day mom won't be able to get up the stairs anymore and you can <laughs> put eye bolts in the ceiling and she'll never know. All right? Sounds good. Okay, good luck. Hi, Dan. I guess I need some advice for a friend of mine. He's 21 years old. He's actually my my husband's friend, and he just recently came out as bisexual. Uh, he was offered, I guess, $5,000 to do a gay porno, and my I have a strange maternal instinct to protect this young man, so I, I want to know what advice I can give him. How can he go to that porno shoot and, and know that everyone's been tested and that he won't get HIV or any other STDs? Is there some sort of porn and shoot etiquette that he can practice so that he um, gets out of there unscathed? And my other question is, once I don't know if he'll get back to me, but if you do or if there's, there's some way that he can um, make sure that this, this shoot is on the up and up, so to say, um, how do I approach him? He isn't a close friend of mine. He's a good friend of my husband, and my husband seems fine with it. So I'm just nervous for him. I want him to um, to be safe whenever he does this. So you have a friend who just came out as bi, and does this? And somebody offered him five thousand dollars. How did that happen? To to make a porno? That didn't happen to me when I came out. I know. Yeah, I guess I I'm not sure. My husband told me about it, so. Um, it's a, a gay porn. I wasn't sure if I put that in my message. Um, I was kind of nervous. Don't be nervous. Um, don't be rocky. You're our teenage guest is Jackie. Uh, so I'm just curious, but, but you don't know. It's just like sort of Ray who's walking down the street with an I just came out as buy sign and somebody ran up to him with a checkbook? Um, yeah. 
Or is he out there looking for work in the adult entertainment industry? There's no, no, there's no like no. porn draft. You can't be compelled <laughs> to serve on your hands. You might, you might know a friend who knows a friend. I'm not sure. All right. But you're concerned about his safety. Yeah. All right. Well, you really can't know if everybody is, you know, to use the word that drives people with HIV up the wall, clean on a porn shoot or anywhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't know if the people you're meeting on Craigslist or the people you're meeting in bars or, you know, the nice Mormon girl your dad introduced you to uh, has no STIs. Uh, people who have sex for a living are at greater risk of sexually transmitted infections. Uh, and that pool of people, if that's where you're drawing your partners from because you're dating porn stars or making porn with porn stars, uh, there's likelier to be a greater incidence uh, of, of STI transmission just, and, and prevalence. Um, so, you know, everybody can test, but tests only discover the, you know, a lot of the tests have a lag time. So somebody can be infected with something in between, you know, the test won't pick up an infection that happened, you know, in a, in the window where blah, 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 the antibodies aren't showing up yet and the test isn't infected. Mm-hmm. Do you follow? I'm not being very clear because I'm retarded. <laughs> gay retarded. But. No, I know, I, like, that crap, but I just mean, like, the professionals who work in that industry, like, I'm sure there's tests and they, so they know when they walk onto a shoot that they're okay, or am I just delusional? You are just delusional. Okay. <laughs> There's a certain, you know, a lot of porn is made by sketchy people and sketchy companies who who really don't care about their performers. There's a, mm-hmm. a lot of porn companies that are really ethical, and he'd have to investigate the porn company and its policies around condom use and safety and testing. Uh, if the porn company wants him to make bareback porn and says, oh, yeah, everybody's been tested, he should run screaming in the other direction. Yeah, I mean, when you're 21, you're going to stick your dick in whatever, so I'm just, like, nervous for him that he won't. As well like, you should attention. be. As well you should be. You know, if he's making the porn and everybody's using condoms, he's at much less risk. If there's any suggestion of him being paid more to not mm-hmm. use condoms, uh, he's at much greater risk. And the amount of money you're talking about there, from what I know from my friends who've made porn, that seems like a lot. Yeah. Guys making porn don't get that much money for a one-day shoot or a first-time shoot. So unless he's, you know a Russian gymnast or something spectacular that they think they really need to throw the money at him because he's going to sell so many goddamn videos. Uh, oftentimes, people are... In, the incentive to make much riskier porn is more money. Mm. So he needs to really scrutinize this offer, who are the people making it, and what they expect of him in exchange for that five grand before he cracks his ass open for anybody. <laughs> he throws health away at 21 for $5,000 if that's what's being asked of him. All right. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Dan. Uh, I called a little while back about uh, a, a straight, quote-unquote, co-worker who uh, had started hitting on me at work. And uh, you gave me some uh, toss-it-back-in-your-court-and-deal-with-it advice, which actually I, I appreciated. Um, just want to follow up, let you know that uh, I took some of your advice and uh, didn't uh, sleep with him. And uh, he actually has talked to his wife amazingly, which is what he was afraid of doing. And turns out she is, I won't go into details, but she's very open to the idea of him being bisexual. And uh, they are now exploring that together. So uh, did I get my rocks off? No. But (laughs) uh, it looks like he uh, is having a much better time in his relationship and 
uh, that's a positive thing. So, you know, I, I'm sorry I didn't get laid, but I'm kind of happy for him because I, it's like somebody coming out to their parents and the parents having a good reaction. You know, he came out to his partner and said, this is who I am. And she didn't freak out and throw him out the door. In fact, she likes it all the more. So that was a happy ending. I wish they could all be like that, but this one is. So anyways, Dan, thanks for your advice. I appreciate it. And uh, take care. It was a happy ending. And thank you for sharing. Thanks for the, uh, the feedback. Too bad that the person you're talking about, uh, that his last name isn't Haggard. And we are talking about the happy Haggard family. Much happier now that Mr. Haggard's out as bisexual. But, you know, actually coming out and maybe uh, getting your shit together wouldn't get you on the couch at Oprah. And we're going to stop doing what we're doing because we run out of time. Um, you know, there's only a certain amount of internet out there. We don't want to use it all up on the podcast. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast if you want to record a question for a future uh, podcast. Try to keep it under two minutes. Leave your phone number so we can call you back if we have a follow-up question. And uh, you download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And we will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Cast.